Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomb listeners. Uh, this is uh, Tabana Organization Program. I'm sitting with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandrati. And we have our usual meetings and then uh, also talking about specific topic that we think maybe is of interest to our listeners. Today, we are going to talk about the guiding concepts in life. Sometimes we realize what are the guiding concepts in our lives and sometimes we don't. So um, today I will hand it to Dr. Rockers uh, and he's going to explain um, what it means, and then we start from there. Go ahead, Dr. Rockers. Dr. Malikov Zali, what a, thank you so much for that introduction. <laughs> but I think you did already introduce the whole topic. That's just what I said before we started our program. That was only the topic, so now you're going to explain what it means. Okay, got it. So the idea for this came about because I was thinking, we often live our lives by some concept or some rule or some guideline framework. And like Alex mentioned, we're speaking before, we often don't even know. So sometimes it takes a little bit of self-examination to understand, well, how am I living? And what are my guiding concepts? Some examples of that, Dr. Madhika earlier, (laughs) an example might be somebody whose guiding concept is, how can I make money? Or some people's guiding concept is, how can I help homeless people? Some people's guiding concept is, how do I help out needy people? Some people want to become president of an organization. Some people want to start a nonprofit. These these are goals, but they also can be our guiding concepts. It's What I'm thinking of is some sort of a rule by which one wants to live their life and once, Alex, you were describing something earlier. Can you jump in with where you were, what you were, you had a discussion recently? Yeah, this is Dr. Alex Andrade. Thank you guys. I think this is a great topic because it's one of those things. I think most people, it's until something happens that they're met with some kind of issue or conflict that they realize what their life concepts are. And so I think for a lot of people, they're very, very basic and not in a negative way, but just very straightforward. You know, I need to make enough money to, you know, pay the bills, pay rent. I need to, you know, get a good job. It's this idea of keep advancing at work. Um, even simple enough as, you know, taking care of my kids, you know, make sure I go to work every day. And it's one of those things where that's enough, I think, a lot of times for people where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm striving in some way. But what I find is a lot of people end up reaching this point where they're, they're becoming more aware of you know, what those guiding principles are. And uh, I recently, as you mentioned, had a, a conversation with my siblings and we were talking about all, all my siblings are, they're all adults, uh, ages like 30 to 40. And we were talking about some of the experiences that we had growing up and all being in the same household, but we all kind of came out with these different rules or these different kind of guiding principles. Uh, I, for example, am the oldest. And so one of the things I was sharing with them is typically the oldest tends to have a a greater sense of responsibility. Um, I gave them an example, you know, I had to watch you guys. I had to, you know, kind of babysit you guys. And and I was always told if your brothers get in trouble, then you're going to get in trouble. And at a young age, 
you're not thinking like an adult where, okay, what are the full, you know, what are the full weight of these consequences? You know, my parents probably would just say, Hey, you know, watch your brothers better next time. Uh, but at a young age, you, you don't really, uh, really recognize that that's the sense of like, you can get in trouble or you can do something wrong. So it almost instilled the sense of fear with me. And so I always had to like push and strive, like, you know, they had to be good, they had to behave. And so for myself, that induces sense of responsibility. I've always been like striving and pushing in that way. And for my brothers, they kind of share their own different experiences. One was, for example, like, oh, you know, you were told, you know, you need to eat all your food before you leave the table. And so it's one of those things where like, you don't be wasteful in life. That's something that he kind of took on. Uh, my other brother, it was, uh, it was a middle child. So for him, uh, actually, he didn't share his kind of uh, <laughs> idea of what he took. But it, we were all able to connect on this idea that we all grew up in the same household, but we all took these different kind of values or guiding principles in our life. And we weren't really fully aware of them as we were having those earlier on. But as we're adults now, being able to reflect on that. And I think one of the important things with that too is recognizing there can be some value in those things. Like for example, I'm you know responsible as the older sibling, but at sometimes it's in some ways too, that can become a cost in the sense that I had to be very responsible at a young age. Uh, so my brothers kind of joke and tease me. I think I've mentioned on the show before, you know, I, I read comics and things like that. They're like, oh, you're into all these like younger kid things, you know? And I was like, well, in some ways, maybe I didn't have that childhood in that same way because I was having to be responsible. So that can be kind of a downfall in that way. So again, I think these guiding principles can be things that we we kind of adopt and, and integrate into our life. And it's worth, I think, reflecting on what those things are so we can ask ourselves, do we still want to continue to live by those rules? Do we still want to adhere to them in, in maybe a, a way that we're not as conscious of, but instead trying to take maybe some of the, the positive or the strengths from those experiences, as well as maybe even adopting or incorporating kind of new guiding values as well? I think it's a good idea to become, like you said, to become conscious of what are my guiding values? Where do I derive those? Because I can get, get them from a lot of different sources mm -hmm. and they're partially considered belief systems, but they're also partially ways of our understanding how the world operates and how I need to operate in that world. Some people get guiding principles from trauma. Like I've had patients have been through great traumas when they were younger and worked their way through it or kept themselves going. And so then their sense of purpose becomes something like, when I'm faced with a hardship, boy, that's when I dig in and I keep going and I don't mm -hmm. stop until I get it done. Mm -hmm. So it really becomes a It's such an interesting topic at this point for me, because as you guys are talking, I'm going my mind thinking what was or is my guiding. And as Dan mentioned, it could be from all different sources, but I say the family probably are the first part of our lives as a child. And um, I always feel like, you know, the belief system certainly comes from how you were raised. And then you grow up with that. And then when you are an adult, you kind of go through those belief system. You cross some of them out and you go, well, this is not me anymore. But there are some um, principles or basic part of those beliefs that you um, stick to it and you still believe in it and you run your life by that. For me, it was always uh, like, don't be double standard. If something is good for you, 
you know, you want it for everybody else. If something is not good for you, then probably it's not good for anybody. So don't be double standard. It was always, you know, that belief system that, um, you know, whatever comes around, goes around, comes around, basically, you know, or don't step on anybody's toes because you are going to, you know, somebody is going to step on your toes too. So I feel like this is really, really eye-opening for me at this point because I never thought of that. But that guides you through life. So it's something that maybe we need to think deeper. What are other things in, in your worldview that because of facing? Another thing I can say, um, you know, being naive and being um, just out of high school, I started working in a place and I ran into a situation where um, one of the staff members um, just told me, do you want to go to lunch? And I said, sure. So we went to lunch and he, she asked me, uh, what is my salary? How was I hired? And I shared everything, you know, being just so open and didn't have any experiences of job or being with someone else who is older and ask you. And then sure enough, immediately after lunch, she went to the um, head of the place and complain about her salary compared to mine. And honestly, now that you guys are talking about this, that was something that hit me hard. And right there, as 18 years old, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to share any personal things with anybody. And that really got to me, you know. I mean, I know basically my my I'm not too... A close or conservative, but just taught me a lesson. When you go to the society, you're not going to share things like that with, with everybody, you know? And think about that. This is a great example, too. I was talking about this where we can have sometimes, and I think it was what you were mentioning, too, Dan, along these lines, we can have one experience and we extrapolate it to so many areas of our life. And it resonates with us so strongly, where sometimes we could even talk to the other person, I give this example, we talk to a family member. And be like, remember that time, you know, I told you the secret and you told them and they're like, no, like, I don't really remember that. And and not because it was this huge mom- momentous thing in, in our actual life or in the world in that way. But to us, it it, it stood out so prominently. And, and so we say, well, I'm not going to trust anybody. And, and I think that's like the establishment of that rule in that way. And, and I think it can be, I think a lot of times I, I try not to evaluate those rules as good or bad or right or wrong. But I always like to ask the question, like, what function does this serve? And in that, you know, the function it served, uh, in the example you gave, Saide, is that it protected you from the future in that way. Uh, but then the cost of that potentially could have been, you know, imagine if you were more stringent on that and, you know, you, you didn't open up to anybody and were really conservative and, and very limited it would probably not just, you know, hurt relationships and connections you could build, but it would probably also, you know, limit you from even being able to be in touch with yourself in that way. And so I see a lot of times these rules is, is having some benefits uh, to some degree, but a lot of times uh, if we're not aware of them, uh, they could definitely have a cost too. Well, when we're younger, what we're doing is we're taking on this information and we necessarily, I believe, necessarily have to categorize in very broad terms. So in other words, like your experience was, well, I'm not going to trust anybody. 
that would be a normal type of thing for somebody to take on as a belief system they're younger. And then as we're older, it's up to us to realize, well, there might be some finer gradations how I can split that apart. And there are certain times when it's good. But the way that the mind functions, the way that our consciousness is by categorizing. We have to, we start with a broad category and then hopefully narrow it down. And I guess when you start being out in the world, that's when things start hitting you in different ways. And that's when it gets to you in social life. Like as an example, what happened to me was, you know, it just made me grow up that, hey, you know, in when you go to workplace, this is how you probably protect yourself. This if you, and then something happens when you go to college. And then, I mean, as you're moving into your social life, step by step, mostly I would say negative things hit you because your belief system, your the way you've been raised uh, may be different. Um, that's why we are attracted to people psychologically who've been mostly like us because then you feel comfortable sharing. You feel like, okay, this is our belief system. But then as you're going to the world and experiencing, sometimes our experiences are good and sometimes not so good, but it just makes us grow up, makes us see the world through um, more expansion and more differentiated from how we were. You know? And it's a lot of learning involved. I think we need to take a break, right? Sure. Thank you for mentioning Dr. Andrade. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من به همراه دکتر الکساندرادی و دکتر دانیل راکرز امروز در خدمتون هستیم و داریم راجع به به هر حال چیزهایی که ما رو تو زندگی راهنمایی میکنه چیزهایی که ما راجبش نمیدونیم و بعض وقتا دانسته عمل میکنیم صحبت میکنیم در حقیقت این رو ما بهش میگیم راهنمایی که در فکر ما هست و ما رو راهنمایی میکنه بدون اینکه متوجه باشیم از کجا شروع شده شاید از فامیلمون از نحوه رشدمون بزرگ شدنمون و شاید از اتفاقاتی که در زندگی برامون میفته هر حال ادامه صحبتمون رو بعد از این بریک میدیم
are back with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alex Andrade, and we continue our conversation about guiding principles in life. We so far talked about our experiences and how we actually build our concepts of um, life and also anything that happens throughout growing up, it just hits me whether good or bad affects us in our worldview. So we are back and we continue our conversation. So I'm thinking about what you said, Saide, where these beliefs or sentiments often come from negative things that have happened. I'm thinking back into my own life where I've had these guiding things come up and it began, for me, it taught me, okay, this is a way that you navigate. Then I'm wondering though, is it always the difficulties that create those? Can it be the good? Can it be good things too? Do you have any examples of when a good thing has created? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of our learning that we really go by it are good things that have happened. You know, we run into someone who really teaches us a good lesson by uh, example and we learn from, you know, a good teacher, a good friend. Um, we are observing our antenna is up and especially when we are growing up. And for me, the example mostly is um, probably after high school because you're mostly in a bubble. I mean, at least my life was, uh, maybe <laughs> others are different. They learn a lot <laughs> in high school, but I had very limited friends and it was girls at school and I was so focused on, on, on school. So I'm just talking about myself. I don't know about you guys, but you know, the bubble now is broken and you're out, you're working, you're in college. And then all of a sudden, you know, things are different. So that's when I started really seeing the real world by workplace, by going to college, you know, running into different people with different lifestyles. So it's just, you open your mind to all these different things that are happening around you. So you pick and choose, obviously, if personally something bad happens to you, I think this is really huge at that age or at that time. But the good thing seems normal. If you have been raised in this sort of that type of family that things are always to your favor, things are good, things are smooth. But then, um, yeah, definitely good uh, learning parts are great in your life. Yeah, probably if I think back to moments, actually moments of kindness, things that stand out in my memory, moments of kindness, those have guided me. And I can see this is the way I want to. And so it hits us in a really notably good way. It's a notable way and it's a positive way. Yeah, the way that I think of it is, is not whether it's good or bad. And I think definitely the negative can skew us more than we realize and more than we want it to. But as you were just kind of saying in that example, too, I think a lot of times it's more around people and experiences with others. Um, I always remind people that we're social creatures. Uh, you know, we need people. Um, and so the way that I always like to describe, I may have uh, talked about this before, um, you know, from the Freudian view, there's this idea that people are pleasure seeking. But then there's this other idea by a theorist named Fairburn that people are relationship seeking. And I find that that tends to be more true because we know that they've even showed like research and studies where children who are from like abused homes 
uh, they'll run, you know, if removed from the home, they'll end up running away and still, you know, from, from, you know, group home or something like that, trying to go back to their, you know, abusive parents in that way, or their neglectful parents. And the reason is because like, that's their parent. That's what they know, even though they can be in, in a situation where you say rationally, logically, that's not, uh, I think a lot of times we'll see this in relationships. I think people will stay in a lot of unhealthy relationships for a long time. And it's like the, the dynamic that they know and kind of what they're used to a lot of times. So I think a lot of times, you know, if that is our idea of what other is or what relationships are, we'll find ourselves kind of doing that over and over and, and looking for those. So I, I think we we want that connection with others. And, and similarly, I think a lot of those rules for life come in, as I said, you mentioned it, trust. You were talking about not trusting yourself. You were talking about trusting others. Um, and then even, you know, Dan, you gave that example too, where kindness, you know, others being kind and seeing that and wanting to be that. So I think a lot of it has to do with not if it just feels good. Um, I think we'd be very more introverted and, and more like self-focused if it was just about pleasure seeking. Uh, but I think it's really about connecting with others and, and feeling that sense of connection. Well, I, what I meant really wasn't so much of, is it just about feeling good? I think more often than not, our learnings come from the negatives. So yeah, what I was trying to introduce, can we do some of the positive? I think there probably are some that are excessively towards the good. We call that greed <laughs> that people go to. Sorry, Dave, what were you saying? I was going to say, you know, yes, many things happen, um, specifically when negative things happen. I'm going to go back to my experience um, with that person that a job um, happened. And honestly, that affected my um, social life a lot. And uh, it was just like Alex mentioned, it was uh, it was kind of watching who you share what, you know, and that affected me. But then on the other hand, I was going to say, what is your uh deep level of who you are because then when I was meeting people who were sharing who were open um, I liked it more so I didn't want to be the other person that happened to me and I started to be you know what I mean it's like so interesting deeply inside I like those who share who are open who just are not afraid of anything, you know, whatever comes, that's fine. This is who I am. This is what I share. Go do whatever you want to do to me. Uh, this is me. And I realized that how much I like that type of people. And it's hard. Then you start to struggling between do I want to open up again? Do I want to be conservative and look who am I talking to? It's just so interesting. And all this is now happening as we are talking. I'm thinking about, you know, that particular event that made me sometimes be conservative and sometimes felt, oh, I don't like that. If I'm sincere and I'm just opening up to people that I like, um, I want to be open. Why that thing has been so powerful that made me to think sometimes do i want to share do i not want to share you know it's interesting things that happen to you in life this is a little different take on the um, growth mindset versus fixed mindset it's kind of like protective mindset is open and i think a lot of times when we get wounded we're going to necessarily be protective of ourselves we got hurt it's like okay not again how do i prevent that 
Yeah, and you learn how to respond. Um, after that, I was always careful if somebody asked a question that I thought it may have some outcome from the other person, I would say, why do you want to know that, you know? It's just, you know, you become more political to some extent rather than being awkward or say something negative. You just, you start feeling uncomfortable. Do I share? Do I not share? You know, people ask questions and so interesting. Yeah, I think we get like attuned to that in a way where it doesn't have to be guarded or apprehensive, but maybe... I describe it sometimes as patients to like, that's a sensitive area for us. And I give the example, if it was our, on our body, for example, if that's a sensitive area, what do we do? We're a little more protective of it. We're a little bit more cautious with it. It doesn't mean we have to, you know, wrap it up or, or completely avoid everything. We just have to be a little bit more aware of it in that way. So knowing that that's a sensitive area for you, like you said, that's a great way to maybe adapt. It's like, okay, I'm going to ask a few more questions before I just kind of give the answer necessarily. Um, but not where like, no, I'm not going to tell anything to anybody. Yeah, you can choose. Yeah, we don't have to become millet about our approach. No. That's an approach. If we do that, then we're becoming hardened. Mm -hmm. Did you guys have any event or anything that affected you like what I shared? Oh, I never want to talk about persons on the program. <laughs> Dan's never had personal experiences before right. either. <laughs> born into the world, fully formed us. Yeah. <laughs> it actually makes a lot of sense. God, no. Uh, <laughs> put us on the spot, Dan, and mm. share personal stuff. You should do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm <happy> today. <laughs> okay, so what's the question? Say the question again. Get him, Saide. Get him. I'm not going to be on the spot here. I won't feel. Uh, <laughs> You're running the show, Dan. Remember? This is one of those learning experiences for me. Gonna, this is we're, so we're creating new rules for you right here. here. Okay, uh, my question was: I open up to you guys really easily because, first of all, I know you guys are psychologists and you care and you're good people so that for sure but I'm just saying like what I shared about my experience when I was 18 years old and I was it was my first job I'm just asking did you guys have any similar or you know just an event or a situation where it just affected you um, in regards to your rules or principle in life well, I had some interesting things when I was growing up. I've mentioned before that I grew up on a dairy farm. And I can remember always feeling a little bit less than when I would go to the public school. And this is not a big being out in the, on your own. And always feeling less than. What's interesting about that is that the learning, whatever learning I took from that at that time is not the same learning that I took much later in life, like 30 years. I began to realize that and how I needed to. Which brings up another important topic or aspect of this topic is that we, in that moment, can form realism, which like you did, Side A, and later on there can be, if we're open to it, more learning to go along, a, another level of learning later on. It's like, well, it, for example, not everybody at work is going to be dangerous to open up to. So then the learning becomes, okay, be careful who you open up to, that kind of a thing. Yes. So for me, I think it was that feeling of being less than, and I go back to the Adlerian Adler, Alfred Adler. I'm trying to be as good as Alex at this point by 
quoting some therapist, some famous therapist. This is the best I can do, Alex. So I'm not quite there yet, but Alfred Adler talked about the compensatory striving. What's that side A? Let me go get my papers too, so I can come up with some other names too. Yeah, you should jump in too. You make up names. That's what I well, do. So. <laughs> yeah, making up names is always good. He's like Freud. You know, Freud said blah, blah, blah. Or you can say a lot of people don't know it, but Freud actually was thinking blah, blah, blah. Mm. Who's going to challenge that? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> okay, for, for the record, I'm not making up stuff, okay? <laughs> You just started off with a lot of people don't know it, but blah, blah, mm. blah. Mm. So somehow it uh, suggests you've got secret knowledge. That oh, no, it's public <laughs> domain uh, as far as I know. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. No, All but, right. but, but, uh, Dan, to build on what you said too, I mean, I, I think it is one of those things. I, I think of it in that same way as far as multiple milestones that we uh, encounter throughout our life that are learning opportunities. And, and, I, and I fully believe, like you said, I think it comes back around. So it's one of those things that those, those things that we struggle with at some point in our life, you know, if, if we don't attend to them at a later point, whether by choice or not, they're going to keep kind of coming up. And so like things like insecurity, I mean, uh, you know, or self-doubt, th that's going to be there. And so it's one of those things of how do we explore that? How do we kind of grow from that in a way? Uh, along those lines, one of the experiences I've had kind of that stood out like a milestone in my mind, and I think I might have shared this with you guys before, when I lived in Chicago, one of the things that I struggled with was catching like public transportation and the same, you know, way I would commute, you know, five days a week to work. Um, nobody would say hello. Nobody would say good morning. And it's like me being, I think, partially a Californian, but also me being me, I like to say hello, good morning. It's what I'm used to. It's what I've grown up with. And so to, to not have that experience, at some point, I started to get annoyed and frustrated. And I was like, well, I'm not going to say anything to anybody either. But then that wasn't me. And then I felt even more annoyed by it. So I finally kind of had like this realization, like, you know what, this is who I am. This is how I want to be. And so I'm going to say hello. I'm going to say good morning. And, and so it was interesting because it was like this cultural kind of norm. People don't do that as much. But it was like, no, that's what I've grown up with. That's what I'm used to. Uh, that's what uh, you know feels most comfortable for me. It's funny, I, a friend of mine was uh, visiting just uh, recently. And one of the things I, I kind of pointed out to him that I noticed that people in California do, and, and I've always been used to this as well. And, I, and it, to me, it's very evident when people don't do this other places. Uh, in Chicago, people very rarely will do this. Um, you, you kind of give like this, hey, good morning, this nod of respect, hey, how's it going uh, to, to people, and you don't necessarily even know them, but it's just this acknowledgement, this kind of like respect that is given in a way. And so I, I found myself as we were walking down the street doing this to, to different individuals, and my buddy was like, Hey, like, you know, what, what, you know, what do you, what, what is that? You know, I was like, oh no, I forgot to tell you. Like, that's what people do. It's like, <laughs> it's like out of respect. Just, hey, how's it going? Good, you know, good morning, you know. But yeah, being from Chicago primarily, it's like, that's, that's not the norm in that way. And so it reminded me of that experience where I was really kind of confronted with this idea of like, my general rule did not fit with the general rules in this part of the country. Um, and so I had to come to, you know, face where do I want to be in that way? What feels most congruent with who I am and how I want to be? I could have conformed and not done that, 
but it would have felt like I wasn't kind of being true to myself. And so that's where I end up kind of landing. And there'd be times where nobody would say good morning to me. People would ignore me still. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. Cause I'm still being who I want to be. I'm still being how I am. And, and I find, you know, for every five people I said it to, if one, you know, seem to acknowledge it and even appreciate it. Sometimes some of the, I remember some of the bus drivers like, Hey, good morning, you know, good to see you again. And it just seemed like, you know, it kind of was like, Oh yes, I'm a human being, not just this person who drives this bus and you ignore me as you kind of get on the bus. Um, And so for me, that felt meaningful in that way. And imagine for me who I was an immigrant how that has been so different for me. Like you're talking about just the culture between here and um, Chicago. Now imagine the culture from where I grew up and here and how much I had to go through. And, and probably automatically in my head, I was going through all these things, pick and choose. This is so different, but I like it. This is, you know, this, I don't like it. So, I mean, you naturally do that probably without even thinking what you're going through through your head and how you're processing and which one you're choosing or how you're even dealing with it. You know, I mean, I'm sure we have talked about this many times. You know, I've had so many obstacles and so many good things as as an immigrant in this country, but that just kind of molds you and then makes you who you are again. And I can probably write a book about this, but not talking about um, guiding principles. I mean, imagine how these things have have, uh, happened to someone who comes from another country or another culture, and then how they just build many things in their mind about the principles of life. And I guess we are now um, hitting another break, and then we come back to continue our conversation. and Dr. Andrade, and we continue our conversation about uh, our guiding principles or our uh, guiding concepts in life. Reminds me, I was uh, recently watching this movie and uh, there was this character and he asked the other character, he said, you know, why do, why do you want this? And the guy was like, well, you know, I, I want this. It was, it was mine property. He's like, no, 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 I, no, not why you want the building. Like, why do, why do you want this? Why do you want all of this? Why do you, what he was trying to say is exactly what we're talking about. Like, you know, why are you telling yourself that this is the thing that you want? And I think it was actually very telling because the character in the film was like, I don't understand what you're saying. And I think what it, what it said was he was so entrenched in his, his view that he couldn't even see 
this idea of, you know, him wanting this was his driving principle. He just, that's all he knew. That's all he believed in. And I think there can be some, some risk and some danger to that. If we just take what we see in the world and what, how we see our world as truth or fact, like I need to do this. I need to, I need to strive. I see this in a lot of individuals. I need to strive. I need to keep, you know, progressing. It's like, well, where are you getting to? No, 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 I, I got to keep going though. I got to keep going. But, but where, where's the destination? What's it, what's it going to look like when you arrive? And, and sometimes that's a very complex idea for people because they've been so focused on just driving or pushing or, or surviving. Even sometimes they aren't able to see that other side. And I guess the question in there is, is that, I think for me, I think of that, the, the, the cost with that or the potential risk associated with that. But I also see sometimes it gets people really far sometimes too. I see it, it helps and, and propels people sometimes. So I guess uh, the question is, is, is that inherently bad? Would you say that that can be more problematic than beneficial? Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that idea of just, you know, not reflecting on these life concepts in a way, but just living and pushing forward and doing what we need to do? Pretty much a... Uh free choice type person and so i would say hey, great if that's how you want to run it go right ahead i don't think that's the optimal way myself i think what you're talking about is what i've read about the unexamined life if we don't stop and then what are we doing it's it could be a real problem you might go really far in other words you might gain a lot of material things or gain a lot of powerful things and the problem then is you don't know who you are. And I think that's when our problems they are, which brings me back to what you said earlier, Alex, which I really liked. And that is that question of who do I want to be? That I think is the key. We end up making a lot of these rules semi unconsciously or not conscious. And we may become something we don't really like who we are. So side A, here's a little personal example from my history. I spent some time in Moscow, Russia, uh, early in graduate school, and I can remember very clearly riding the subway and at rush hour at subway in Moscow was very packed. Like it was so packed that if you're carrying anything in your hands and had them down by your side, you would get crammed into that car so tightly, you couldn't fall over. You mm-hmm. could not lift your hand up above over your head. You couldn't pick up what you've got because people are pressing on you from every single side. And then when the car doors open, you're bursting out into this. And sometimes people are standing right in front of the door, like they should not be at the subway. <laughs> and I can remember really starting to get hardened by all of this stuff. And, and I decided, well, I'm not going to, I'm just going to, when that door opens, I'm going to blast right on out. And if people are in my way, then they're going to get hit. You know, kind of that hardened city approach. And I can remember, this is the part where I realized like how bad that felt after I had crashed in. And I thought, I realized later, I'm becoming somebody. I, that was a, a strong learning. So I think the exam, if we don't stop to exam, it's become hard. And many times, I'm sure it has happened for you too, because this is natural. Sometimes something happens to you and you go, I'm going to show them. Now I'm going to do this. And in your head, you're thinking, I'm going to revenge however I can. This, this wasn't right. This was just hurtful. This was ugly. But then you think about it, time goes and you go, but if I do that, I'm going to be the same as that person. I better just behave differently and just be myself. And I'm sure this struggle comes and goes in life, even 
when you're mature, when you're even, you know, thoughtful in your life. But that happens when you're hurt, when you when something happens that it's been so unexpected and um, and and you just don't like it. So I just want to say you go back to who you are and that establishment in who you are. I really strongly believe that no matter how much we are in the world, how much we are out how much we watch TV or, or see different things, it comes from the family and it goes back to who you are, how you were raised. I think that's essential because that has been your foundation and you can change that foundation unless something drastically happens that you just become a different person. But in general, especially even I noticed that when you're more experienced, more mature, you realize you're going back more to those teaching and those, um, you know, principles that you've been raised by. Sadie, I wanted to add to that too. You brought up this idea too, and I just want to name it too. That idea of that imagined audience. I think we do that a lot of times. I'm going to show them, you know, this, they're going to realize what they did to me. And a lot of times in life, nobody's watching us. Like, this is not the Truman Show. We don't have this audience. There's not people, you know, saying, oh yeah, oh, you know, Dan really showed me this time, you know, because he he pushed me, you know, out of the train or something like that. Uh, you know, so instead it's like one of these things where, we are our audience. We have to say, how do I want to see myself? And, and realizing nobody's watching us is more often than not, it's not this, you know, uh, idea of, you know, oh, we're going to make it difficult for Dan to catch the train. Or, you know, I'm sure that, you know, even in my commuting, people never were like, oh, I'm not going to say hi to that guy. Like, no, they weren't conspiring these things. But I find sometimes people, you know, that, oh, I'm going to show them, you know, we, we start to fight against this, un this imagined audience, but we end up really fighting against ourselves. And so, yeah, and you can never, because of that, you can never, you never win. You never yeah, yeah. show them. Mm -hmm. There is no them. You never show them. You're and not going to run. Sure. If, if you do anything that is not who you are, you're going to be um, more upset of yourself, you know, and, and just sad that this is not you. How, you know, I'm if anything. Yeah. yeah, along those lines, you end up becoming them. You're trying, you're fighting against them, and then you end up becoming them. Good point. That is so true. You become them. You become the them that you're fighting against. Yeah. Exactly, because you're pushing. Yeah, yeah. And then I also want to add, uh, do you guys, how much do you guys think the effect of TV or social media on young generation would affect their world? Do you think, because I was... Uh, you know, I was talking to someone and that someone is actually my hairdresser, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just telling me about a person who comes daily to the uh, shop, daily. And she just wants to be Jennifer Lopez. And she always just compares herself and says, is the color that you're putting on my hair exact as it brings magazine, brings everything, and then um, just uses everything that Jennifer Lopez uses. And then specifically, you know, she asks her. And then she goes, I color her hair. And she goes, she brings another magazine tomorrow morning, the next day, and says, you know what? And then um, this is not the same as I told you. And then she goes, but there's a lighting, there's a, a, you know, photography, it's not real, but this is, 
what I can do the best. And she was just wondering, and she was asking me as an expert to talk about the personality of these kind of people who are living in their own ideal world. So I'm just thinking how much social media and how much, um, you know, watching TV or, or watching magazines and having role models like actors or singers would affect some people's life. Well, I have a thought on that. I would, I'll say my thought, and I'd like to hear what Alex says on this. My thought, I have two things about that. Number one is, it's easy to jump in and say, wow, that person's so shallow, they don't get it, blah, blah, blah. And in some ways, they might be shallow. It may be all shallowness. However, on the other hand, I think it is a great idea to have model role by which to live. And so we can examine how other people do things and learn from how they do. So I wouldn't just automatically throw out the whole idea of having them. I think it could be argued that the way, what she was after, no, maybe it's to look as good as Jennifer has or feel good about herself by looking good. I don't know, whatever that is. But I think idea of models, good idea, not like a fashion model, but I'm just saying a role. Alex, you're laughing at me. Yeah, with I, me. Know, I know, I know, you mean uh, supermodels and so. Super, okay. Yes, thank you, supermodels. Yes, yes. Okay, Alex, mm -hmm. you're on. No, I have, I have no opinion on this because when it comes to hairstylist and uh, hair products and things like that, being a bald individual such as I am, I, I'm not going to comment. You do on, have facial hair, though. I do. Thank you for, for clarifying that with listeners. And so, yes, I do. <laughs> as far as I can tell. I'm not completely devoid of hair. Yes, right. yes, yes. No, I, I think a lot of times, yeah, I, I think along those lines, Dan, I was wondering, you know, what is this person striving for? You know, what is it in her mind that being that physical representation of Jennifer Lopez, what is that going to give her? What is that going to do for her? And yeah, it also brings up, you know, other ideas that, you know, I often hear hairdressers serving as like bartenders sometimes, you know, makeshift therapists. Uh, but then also, too, they sometimes see people who have issues that we might need to be seeing instead. I mean, it's concerning if somebody's going to the hairdresser, you know, daily or at least, you know, a couple times a week saying, I need, I need this to be done to me in order to look like this person. And so uh, along those lines, it's probably somebody who's in some kind of distress or maybe even pain because she is not matching up to that image she keeps seeing. And so imagine to look in the mirror every day and to not be satisfied with what you see, maybe not just on a physical level, but maybe even deeper in that way. And yeah, maybe, you know, vanity, but, you know, sometimes that's a distorted view of oneself for some reason. Um, she may be a very, you know, attractive person in that way. She may not be by social standards, um, but for her, she is not satisfied. And that, that would be definitely concerning. A lot. You know, I like what the Dan said, that um, it's so interesting, Dan, you sort of corrected me in my head because, um, you know, immediate judgment that this person is shallow, you know, that's something that might come to mind immediately. But I like the way you change it to, we all need role models. And then if Jennifer Lopez, there's nothing wrong with her. She has such achievements and such, you know, I mean- She has she, too much hair. I think she has too much hair personally. I but anyway, she has yeah. great hair, what I've seen. <laughs> like the color of her hair. At least in the magazine I'm looking at. All this hair talk, I can't take it. I'm serious, I'm just continuing you. I have to stop you. 
So when I was talking about this is that I like the way we shouldn't jump into and judge um, just because somebody says her role model or his role model is this and that. If just is the look, so that's something else. But if it's the achievement, the courage, the hard work, I mean, all of these actors or actresses or singers, they have done so much to be where they are. So if the role model part is that, there's nothing wrong with that. And even, I'm, I'm, I just wanna say, yes, someone who comes daily. I was, I was shocked that even there are people that go to hairdresser daily. But then when I talked to some uh, group of friends, they said, yeah, some do. They have extra money and they go to gym. They don't know how to fix their hair, so they do. And, and if you have that much money. But I was seriously shocked, you know, someone goes to hairdresser daily to fix their hair and pay that much money. But anyways, I just want to say the lesson of this story is that having role model is great and not judging people just immediately by wanting to be someone um, we have to always watch that because all these um, actresses, actors, singers, they all have worked so hard. If you read their story of their lives, we need to learn that part of their lives. You know, so many famous designers, I read about them in the past that how much they have done work to get to where they are. You know, those are inspiring. So the inspiration of the work they have done to get there is amazing and it's great. But if you just want in surface to look like them, that's something that we need to question ourselves. Why do we do that? Why just the appearance? With what that, function does that serve? Maybe as we were saying earlier yeah, too, yes. yeah. Exactly. So with that said, I wanna um, start each of us say our final words. Okay, I'll jump in. How about if I start? I, I think agree. there are, what if, what about this? You know how there are cover bands who like cover famous bands and there's Elvis impersonators. What if this woman really is like a Jennifer Lopez impersonator makes her living by being a Jennifer Lopez impersonator? There's pretty good reason for her to go to the hairdresser and make sure she gets her hair color. No. Okay. That's just a contrary. <laughs> I was what? thinking maybe, maybe it's Jennifer Lopez actually. What if it's Jennifer Lopez messing with a hairstylist person to just kind of, you know, trick her real gently out? Yeah, okay. Right. And the See, this is why side A needs to keep us in line. Okay, back on track, back on track. Yeah, side A will jump in here. Okay, my contribution, though, my real contribution this time, my genuine, who am I really, my self-contribution is to ask ourselves, who do I want to be? That's the, I think that's the, operative thing who do i want to be and those should be the guy those i like that as a guiding principle okay over to you i'll add to that too i think it's one of the things where to, to make it a little more tangible i think the idea of uh you know how do i want to be because sometimes we're saying who and, and it's like well what does that look like and i think that's kind of like recognizing the values but then the how is like on a daily basis like what does that look like so i might be somebody who wakes up early, I'm, you know, and so I'm going to wake up earlier, I'm going to say hello to people, you know, how do I do that? So that's the question. That's the way I like to phrase the question, how do I want to be? And I think it moves us closer to how you phrase it, Dan, you know, you know, who do I want to be? And so yeah, to be able to focus on those tangible things, 
and, and it all matters. It all adds up. I think every little thing that we can do to get us closer to feeling how we want to be and who we want to be, it matters. And I want to say, um, first of all, thank you to Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade for um, our program today. I know that you guys get to some uh, joking around, but I have to always make sure that I get you to the point. So I say, thank you for listening to me sometimes. Alex, so what was that? What did you say? Oh, I said it's mostly Dan, but no, go, go ahead. Said it. Go ahead. <laughs> it's like not paying attention here. You should pay better attention, I guess. I to say that, um, you know, just think about your beliefs and values. Sometimes our beliefs are underway and sometimes, uh, you know, they're good, but we need to always evaluate ourselves we need to always as we are moving forward, and I know we are so busy sometimes, we don't even have time to go back and think, but have some time daily to think about, you know, who you are, how you've been raised, what are your values, what are your beliefs, what are those values that you want to stick to them, and what are those beliefs that you need to get rid of, and I know we all have that, so with that, I want to say, Goodbye to our listeners. Have a wonderful Saturday. Tomorrow we're going to come back and we're going to talk about some other topics. Uh, thank you. تنها باشم تنها بمیرم دیگه از درد و غم آروم بگیرم برم پیدا کنم یه جای خلبت بشینم عشق بریزم تا بیامم برم پیدا کنم جای خلبت بشینم عشق بریزم تا بیامم برو
صدای ما و شما با زبانی آشنا